Welcome to the Cornerstone Truth New Creation Podcast. Each week we'll explore fundamental truths about the genuine love of Christ being manifest through His people, the Church. During these studies, we will discover that the sincere love of Christ flows from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. This is the goal of our instruction, and we are so thankful you're listening today. All right, this morning, for those of you who uh, uh, got the first lesson, you know that I changed it up. I got up this morning, and I was thinking, you know, there's too much to share this morning in all of those passages of Scripture, so I decided just to go with the passage of Scripture in the book of Ephesians and uh, the first chapter. And so would you turn with me this morning uh, to Ephesians Ephesians in chapter 1. Ephesians in chapter 1. And in this passage of scripture, we're going to be greatly, greatly blessed by a prayer request that Paul makes. And then the prayer request basically says, we as Christians have three amazing blessings in this Christian life. And then he's going to tell us why, why we have these blessings. And so let's begin with uh, chapter one, verses three and four, and then jump down to verse 15. Ephesians chapter one, verse three and four, and then jumping down to verse 15. Here we go. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. You know, if we read that a little bit more slowly, it's really going to answer so much uh, of what we're going to be talking about today. I want to extend a very uh, wonderful welcome to uh, Nicole in Belarus. I'm so glad you're with us this morning and, and watching. And so, uh, well, it'll be evening for you, obviously, but so exciting for people from around the country and world to be joining in. And so let me read that once again. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in the beginning before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless in him. You know, pretty amazing, really, when we think about that. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places is ours. And that's why Paul offers up this prayer request to God on behalf of the Christians in Ephesus. Turn with me to the book of uh, Ephesians 1 and verse 15 and following. Listen to this wonderful prayer request that Paul makes. And then he says why, why we should know these things that we have in Christ. Verse 15, for this reason I too having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus, which exists among you, and your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Now look at verse 18 and following. He says, I pray. This is, I'm praying for you, Christian, Paul says. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart 
The eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know three wonderful things. Here they are. So that you will know, number one, what is the hope of his calling? Number two, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And number three, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? Look at those three things. We're going to talk about those briefly this morning. What is the hope of his calling? What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? But let's read on and let's finish up. Where do these three great things that we possess as Christians right now, where do they come from? Where did we get them? Paul answers that question in the next few verses. Take a look at verse, um, the finishing of this verse. Uh, verse 19. And what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? These are, these three things are true because in accordance with the working of the strength of his might through which he brought about in Christ Jesus when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and dominion and and every name uh, <clears throat> that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all and all. You know, we have these three great blessings we're going to learn about today because Jesus Christ was crucified bearing our sins. He was raised from the grave, seated at the right hand of God, and because he was seated at the right hand of God, he then had the, the power and the ability to send his Holy Spirit into our bodies that we might become the eternal children of God, that we might have hope, not in this world, although there's wonderful things here, but our hope is that we have our salvation secure in heaven because of his great sacrifice and the Father raising him up and seating uh, him with him in the heavenly places. Now let's go back this morning and look at these three things. And if you have your lesson notes this morning, you'll see those three things. The first one is the hope of his great calling. The hope of his great calling. And so read that once again there in verse 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know. Paul wants us to know this, to know what is the hope of his calling. Well, I love this word calling. It's like uh, when my mom used to call me in for dinner and uh, she would make linguiça, which was a uh, uh, an original Portuguese spicy sausage. And uh, whenever my mom would call, man, I don't care where I was, I was tuned and ready. And I would run in as fast as I could because mom had called me out of the woods or called me out of my fort playing. And I ran in and was enjoying the meal uh, that I truly loved. It was my favorite. Of course, many of you know I'm Portuguese. And so uh, that original Portuguese sausage linguiça was awesome. Now, God has called us and he has called us out of the world. The word church the word church, the church of Jesus Christ, the word church is the Greek word ecclesia. And you know what that actually means in the Greek? It means called out of. 
Jesus Christ has called us out of this world and into himself that we might have hope and life forever. But let's look at some scriptures really quick to prove this. And it's great to see Anne uh, from Belarus as well here this morning. Thanks, Anne, for joining in. And uh, so now we're going to turn to a wonderful passage about his calling us. Look at 1 Peter and chapter 2 and verse 9. The great call of Jesus Christ. And uh, what a study it is to, to look at the call of the Lord for his people. Take a look if you would. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. But we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him. Are you ready? The excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You see, we've been called out of this dark world and called into his marvelous light. And as many of you know, we were called to him to be seated with him in the heavenly places even now. That's found in Ephesians in chapter 2 and verse 6. And so he has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And uh, there's another passage about his calling that is so important. And I want you to turn there with me. Romans chapter 8. Another awesome passage about his calling. And notice he has not only called us out of darkness into his marvelous light, but he's actually spiritually called us into heaven right now. Take a look at Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 28. Many of you are familiar with this passage. It's awesome. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 28 is where we begin. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. Well, I love God and, and, uh, and if you're reading your Bible and you're striving to grow in a knowledge, you love God too. And so he says, for those called according to his purpose, those who love him, look at verse 29. It says, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined, he pre-planned all of those who would be called by him to be conformed to the image of Christ so that we would be the firstborn among many brethren. I'm going to talk about that next week. The firstborn among many brethren. And look at verse 30. And these whom he predestined, he pre-planned, he also called, called out of darkness. And these whom he called, he also justified, meaning made innocent by the blood shed on the cross. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. And he glorified us by filling us with his spirit of glory and by raising us up and seating us with him in the heavenly places, as it says in Ephesians chapter 2. And so what an awesome message this morning, that we have been seated with him in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority. We have freedom that the world cannot know. And so we can have great joy and great peace and great pleasures, knowing that we are seated with him in the heavenly places with him right now. It's awesome. It's awesome to know that. Well, what about this hope? You see, we, we've been called to a hope. And so let's take a look at this word hope, going back to Ephesians once again. And uh, this is not the normal hope. Um, again, referring back to my childhood, I remember I asked my folks one time uh, for a, a set of army men. 
Oh, man, I was just hoping and hoping and hoping I would get it. And uh, uh, every day I would go out under the Christmas tree and I'd check the presents because I knew about how big the present would be and it wasn't there. Oh, I was so, oh, no, I'm not going to get it. Well, my folks had bought it. They just had hit it and they put it out Christmas Eve after we went to bed. And so I was hoping and hoping and hoping. You know, hope of this world is terrible because oftentimes it doesn't happen. But hope in God literally means it's confident expectation that what God promised he will deliver. And we know that he can't lie. And we know that if he has a set purpose, he's going to fulfill that purpose. So by these two unchangeable things, we have hope. Let's look at this passage once again. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 18. He, God wants us to know, Paul wants us to know what is the hope of our calling in Christ Jesus being called out of this world. Well, again, there's a couple verses there, but the one I really want to look at this morning, uh, the hope that we have is a hope of a hundredfold blessing uh, in this life. All the spiritual blessings in the heavenly places are ours right now and a guarantee that when we pass away, no matter when, that we're going to be in heaven with him forever and eternity. So blessings now, a rich and abundant life now in Christ and heaven. You can't, you can't get any better than that. Take a look at this passage of scripture in the book of Hebrews chapter six. It's one of my favorite passages on hope. Powerful passage. You know, God wants us to believe these things before, because they are true. And if we truly believe and truly embrace them, it will change our attitude and it will change our life. Take a look at this passage of scripture in Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 13 about the great hope that we have in Christ. For when God made the promise to Abraham, since God could swear by no one greater than himself, he swore by himself saying, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply you. And so having uh, patiently waited, he, Abraham, obtained the promise. For men swear by one greater than themselves, and with them an oath given as confirmation is an end of every dispute. In the same way, God desiring even more to show to the heirs of promise, that's literally Christians, the heirs of promise, the unchangeableness of his purpose. Notice he says, God's purpose once made is unchanged. You can't change it. And so that's important for us to know. Uh, the unchangeableness of his purpose interposed with an oath so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, once he makes an oath, he's going to follow through. He says it's impossible for God to lie. We have uh, taken refuge. Uh, we who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope set before us. This hope is an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast, and one which enters within the veil in heaven where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us. You see, Jesus has gone into heaven and we are sealed in Christ Jesus when the spirit of Christ is placed in our lives. In Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus. You'll hear that statement over and over and over again. Christians are in Christ Jesus and Jesus is seated in heaven, in the heavenly places. And that's where we are right now. Brethren, spiritually, we know that we have freedom and hope secure. The world cannot steal these things from us. 
They can steal our money. They can steal our home. They can steal our physical life, but they cannot steal the rich blessings of being a Christian and the surety of our being in heaven with him right now. All the spiritual blessings in the heavenly places are ours, brethren, right now. What an awesome thing to realize. So this hope of this resurrection Sunday has been secured because of his resurrection, as it says in verse in Ephesians, going back there. It's been secured. All of these things have been secured in Christ Jesus through his sacrifice and resurrection. Again, read that with me. These things, in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, this is verse 19 now, okay? It says here, he wants us to know the surpassing greatnesses of power toward us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. You see, brother, in Ephesians chapter one, it clearly says that we have hope because we're seated with him in the heavenly places. And it's reaffirmed in Ephesians in chapter two. Now let's go to that second point. That second thing that God wants us to know, and that is the inheritance of the saints, which gives us the riches of his glory. And take a look there, the riches of his glory. It says there in that verse 18 that uh, he wants us to know what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints is. Well, go back up a couple verses. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. What is our inheritance? I want to know. And so look at Ephesians 1, verse 13 and 14. It says it right there that we get the down payment, the earnest, the beginning of the inheritance. Notice verse 13. In him, in Christ, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed you were sealed in Christ with the Holy Spirit of promise. So we're sealed in Christ when the Holy Spirit is placed in our bodies. It says you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who, the Holy Spirit who, is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to looking forward to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. I pray you'll understand what Paul's trying to get here. And that is this, is that when you became a Christian, when you heard the gospel message and you obeyed the gospel message and you were baptized into his death and his burial and his resurrection, you were raised up to walk in newness of life. You were seated with him in the heavenly places and you were given the Holy Spirit in your bodies as you were placed into Christ. And now you have all the riches of glory. Do you remember Romans chapter 8 and verse 30? It's those who he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he justified. And those he called, he also glorified. We already are glorified, brethren, because the spirit of glory dwells within us. And we're sealed in Christ and he's in heaven in glory. Brethren, understand the truth of the scriptures. We have hope like no other people. The inheritance is the hundredfold blessing in this life through the Holy Spirit and the promise of eternal life with him. We're sealed already there. If that doesn't give you hope, nothing will give you hope. Brethren, the power that we have and the freedom that we have because of what he has done for us through the resurrection 
and subsequent ascension. There's power, brethren. But I want to take a look at one more passage here uh, in regards to uh, our two little quick, two little passages in 2 Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians and chapter 1, uh, listen to a parallel passage about being sealed uh, in Christ. 2 Corinthians and uh, chapter 1, and we're going to take a look at verse 21 and 22. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21 and 22. Really an amazing passage of scripture, and there's several that say the exact same thing. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21 and 22. Here's what Paul says. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and anointed us in God, who also sealed us and gave us the Spirit in our hearts as a pledge, as a down payment. That word pledge actually means down payment. A down payment is really important when you buy a house because you're basically telling the seller, now I am, uh, or the yeah, the yeah, the seller. I am going to buy it. It's going to be mine. In fact, it reminds me of our first house. Sure, and I bought our little house. It was a little cracker box in Eugene, and nine hundred plus square feet. And we fixed it up just like the realtor said to do. And we fixed it up, and we did the bathroom really nice, and the kitchen really nice, and I did the garage, the man cave, really nice. And and uh, <clears throat> we bought it for not too much, but some, someone came up from California, and they put 50% down, a, a, a down payment of 50% cash. Now, do you think they were going to back out on that deal? Uh-uh. They gave enough money that if they were to back out, <clears throat> Sharon and I would have had a big down payment for our next house. So powerful to see God is giving us a down payment of heaven. The down payment of heaven is his spirit, and his spirit is the spirit of glory, and glory is a beautiful thing. Take a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians in chapter 5. Beginning verse 1 through 5, talking about our home in heaven. Oh, I can't wait to get there, but I will. Here we go. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. For we know that if the earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Got a new mansion in heaven. For indeed, in this house we groan, meaning this body, we groan, longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven, inasmuch as, having put it on, we will not be found naked. For indeed, while we were in this tent, we groan, being burdened, because we do not want to be unclothed, but to be clothed, so that what is mortal will be swallowed up by life. Now, he who prepared us for this very purpose is God, who gave to us the Spirit as a pledge. Again, the same idea. He's he secured us for heaven, and he's given us a, a, a wonderful blessing of heaven, his Holy Spirit of glory. Now, what does that mean? The riches of glory. What are the riches of glory? Uh, turn with me to Colossians 1, and let's see what these riches of glory are. There's two passages in Colossians that will help us to know what the riches of glory are, and you'll immediately understand why they are riches. Riches not like this world that can be stolen, but riches that cannot be taken away, that we can invest and they'll grow. Colossians and chapter 1, beginning in verse uh, 25. Remember, we're talking about riches of glory now. 
Of this church, I, Paul, was made a minister according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit, so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. That is the mystery, which has been hidden from past ages and generations, but has now been made manifest to the saints. Now look at verse 27. To whom? To the saints God willed to make known. God wants us to know what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The mystery is Christ in you, the spirit of glory in you, the hope, the confident expectation of glory in our lives now and glory with him when we stand face to face on that last day. That's powerful promise, powerful hope that we have. And notice, he wants us to know what the riches of glory are. We don't have time this morning to go through all of that, but I want you to turn to Colossians 3. Just jump across the page. These are the riches of glory. These are the amazing, miraculous, awesome uh, 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 character qualities of God, which are the riches of his glory. In Colossians in chapter 12, listen to these beautiful riches that you and I have already because Christ is in us. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another, forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone. Just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. You see, brethren, we have all of those character qualities of God and more in us. And I'll tell you, they are the more valuable than gold and silver. I'll tell you why is because you could send me a $100 bill and I'll go, oh, that's nice. But you could send me a card and say that, Bill, I love and appreciate you and what you're doing and what you've done. And you come alongside and give me a hug. And I'll let you give me a hug now. No problem. And uh, I know there's social distancing, but I can't stand it. So that is more valuable than that money because the money is going to come and go. But your love for me and my love for you and my compassion for you and your patience with me, those things you can't buy. Money can't buy those. Those are infinitely valuable and they're given to us in Christ Jesus. Now, finally, brethren, the surpassing greatness of his power has been given to us. Let's close with this, this little statement here about uh, found in Ephesians and chapter one and verse 18. Remember, he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. This is Ephesians 1 verse 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what are the, what's the hope of his calling? What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And God wants us to know what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us. Surpassing greatness of power, God's power. And I looked those words up. It blew me away. So amazing. Blew me away. I want, I want to define those words really quickly for you. You want to know how much power is in your life? Well, the, the surpassing, the word surpassing means to supersede or go beyond. In other words, whatever level we're talking about here, God's power to go beyond. How's that even possible? And yet that's what the Greek is saying. It means to supersede or go beyond. It says here, 
surpassing greatness. Wait till you hear this word greatness. It's so awesome. It says the word greatness there comes from the Greek word magus, which we get the word mega, like mega big, mega sale, mega awesome. It means that, well, I looked up the word, it says it, uh, it means that, uh, we are, are the biggest there is. And now it says to supersede the biggest of God's power. The word power there is dunamis. It's, it's, it's the word that has to do with, with explosive power. That word dunamis means the miraculous Power, the most, the, the, the mighty, wonderful work of God in us. And I'll have to tell you something. Someone once said, you know what? Uh, faith that can move mountains. And, uh, you know, honestly, we're not talking about physical mountains here because you give me enough atomic bombs and I can move any mountain, right? I mean, physically move the mountain. But, but what about the mountains of doubt? What about the mountains of fear? What about the mountains of, of bitterness and hatred? What about those mountains? The mountains of unforgiveness? You know what? There's, there's not enough physical power in this universe to, to, to change a bitter heart, to, to change a fearful heart. There's gotta be something greater than that. God's power is able to move you from fear to faith. God's power is, is greater to move you from hatred into deep and abiding love, bitterness into joy. The power of God is miraculous and it will do things that physical dynamite, physical atomic bombs cannot do. And that is change human hearts and truly set captives free. And that's the power available to us, brethren. My prayer is that we would get into the word of God more now to realize our hope is built on nothing less than Christ's sacrifice and his ascension into glory and the power he's given to us through the Holy Spirit. I'm so thankful you're here. And my prayer is, as we break bread together here in just a moment, that you'll remember our hope, our lives, are built on the sacrifice and the ascension and exaltation of Jesus Christ. Let's close in a word of prayer and turn our thoughts to the Lord's Supper, a remembrance of his great sacrifice for us. Thank you, I'm Father, I'm, I thank you for uh, the amazing blessing of the church family that you have, have grown and built and strengthened through your word. As we learn about the amazing sacrifice you made for us, the amazing power that was exerted to, to, uh, uh, take away all of our sins and to fill us with your spirit, causing us to be a new creation, a new spiritual creation. You see, all physical power in the universe could not create a spiritual new creation. Only your great and awesome power could, and that's what you've called us to be. For if any man or woman be in Christ, they're a new creation. Old things passed away, new things have come. And we know that that new creation has come about because we have been united with you in your death, burial, and resurrection and ascension into glory. Now as we remember the sacrifice, Father, help us to remember it's because of what he has done 
that we have hope in this world. Amen. Now to turn our minds to the sacrifice, once again, would you turn to 1 Peter with me? And many of you know that honestly, this is the most important time of any Sunday morning assembly. It's the sober reminder of the horror and the pain of Christ's sacrifice, not only physically, but spiritually. And so he suffered horribly on the cross, but he suffered even more horribly by being being for, forsaken by his father and rejected by his father. This, the, the intimate relationship that he and the father had was separated, severed, because of your sin and my sin. And Jesus was willing to bear all of our sins in his body on the cross. And so we need to recognize the horrors of the cross are not just physical. The horrors of the cross are spiritual. And yet, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured that cross and despised the shame because of you and I, that we would become his children, that you and I would be saved from the destruction of Satan. And he is so deeply thankful that you're here together as family to enjoy the sacrifice together. So let's read this verse and then let's partake, part, participate in the emblems. First Peter in chapter one, beginning in verse three once again. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are protected by the power of God, the dunamis of God, through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Brethren, we have a hope secured, unshakable, immovable. The only way that we could lose that hope is for us to reject Jesus Christ and the sacrifice that he made for us on the cross. And so we come each Sunday morning to remember that sacrifice so that we would never forget that sacrifice, that we would always deeply love and appreciate him for what he has done for us, having secured our lives that they are, are stored in heaven and he's given us a little bit of heaven through his Holy Spirit. How I praise God for this remembrance. Would you remember with me right now what Jesus Christ has done for you. And not only remember it right now, but would you carry this remembrance throughout the week as you would remember to serve others so you might be serving Christ in love, sacrificing yourself in love like Jesus did for us. Let's pray. Father, as we partake of this unleavened bread, let us not forget 
It represents that sinless life you lived and that you gave for us. And Father, when we became Christians and we were united with you in your death, burial, and resurrection, you raised us up to walk in newness of life, and that new life is that holy and blameless, powerful life that you lived when you lived on earth in a flesh and blood human body. And so when we partake of this today, help us to remember, we are remembering that this is the life that we've been given, and this is the life that we're called to live this week, holy and blameless, sacrificial in love. Help us to remember that's the life you lived for us, and that's the life we need to live for you as we serve others. And Father, as we partake of the cup now, we also pray that you would help us to realize that there's no way that we could have earned our way to heaven. We don't work hard for our salvation. That's impossible. We could never be good enough. Your son was perfect. We work hard in this week because of what he did. He shed his blood. He laid down his life. He allowed himself to be separated from you because of our sins. And that blood represents that horrible, horrible sacrifice that he made, that we're called to make for others that they might become Christians. Father, we ask this now as we partake of the bread and the cup in your son's name, Jesus. Amen. Brethren, thank you for joining this morning, and I pray that you'll take the opportunity in the coming week to go back and take a look at all of the wonderful sermons and messages on uh, new creation studies in the uh, virtual family camp that was done this last week. There were 15 amazing preachers from all over the country and all over the world, and uh, I just am so deeply thankful for them and those sermons. And uh, if you want to know more about uh, being in the presence of God, seated with him at his right hand, God's presence in your life as a Christian, and the power and the joy uh, that it gives you, I would invite you to go to uh, our website, uh, the Pleasant Hill Church of Christ website. That's uh, cornerstonetruth.org. And there under podcasts, you'll find all the podcasts so far this year on on the power of presence. And so, again, that's cornerstonetruth.org. If you want to know the hear the other lessons that preceded this one this morning, uh, I invite you to go there. Thank you so much for joining today, and have a, a great and awesome week. Bye now. Thanks once again for listening. To download today's lesson plan or find out more about Cornerstone Truth Podcast and our church, please go to www.cornerstonetruth.org or email us at thecornerstonetruth at gmail.com. Have a blessed week.